Hey, thanks for, uh, I know a lot of you guys, you know, I've heard great things about being out there in Waterloo last week. That was a lot of fun being with that church. Um, they're still, you know, they're praying and they're trying to figure out what it is that uh, they want to do going forward. And I just told them, hey, we'll, we're right here. We want to help you. Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but we're trying to figure out what that looks like to try and help that church uh, continue on in their ministry out there in that area. Uh, but today, we're jumping back into Corinthians. Somebody already gave me a hard time because I didn't do Corinthians last week. Don't worry, we got time. I told you, we just got finished before Christmas. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 today, verse 1. Here's what Paul has to say to us today. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts. Like, I don't know how much of Corinthians you've been with us for. You can go back and you can find all the messages as we've gone through this series. Uh, but there's been a lot of moments throughout this uh, letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians where he is just kind of, I mean, he is busting them out, calling them out. Just, I mean, there's a lot of hard things he's had to say to this church. Uh, but here, it's almost kind of a nice moment here. I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. So they haven't completely messed things up. Like there's a lot of things they got wrong. There's a lot of things they've, you know, messed up on. But they're still trying to follow the teachings that he passed on to them. <clears throat> but there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is as the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. So if you've been with Revival for, for very long, you know that we want to just stick to the word. Uh, we want to stick to the truth. So uh, we've got a box of head coverings over here. If you didn't get one on your, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. And I'm going to explain to you why. Because there's, there's some things in Scripture that you read and you're kind of like, really? Do we still need to do that? And I, I will tell you, there are some churches today that still practice this and they're still living that out. I'll tell you uh, why for us as a church, I, I do not believe culturally we need to do that anymore. Um, so it, this is going to get real weird real fast. Like, I, are there any kids in here today? Anybody under 14? All right, I think... Most of the kids are in uh, kids' ministry. Okay, good. <laughs> this is weird stuff, all right? Um, so the, this head covering, uh, this word for covering, in the Greek, it's a paraboleon, okay? And, uh, and it's that which is thrown around, a covering. This word is also used in, uh, in an ancient Greek writing, uh, a story about Hercules. And, uh, <laughs> and so Hercules... Uh, in this writing, he is quoted as saying, this is all very, you know, scholarly stuff here, uh, but here's some ancient Greek writing for you. After I received my bags of flesh, testicles, okay, that's what that's talking I know, I know, weird stuff in the Greek here, all right? This is from this, whatever, secular writer. Uh, which are outward signs of puberty, I received labors about which I shall undertake to say what is necessary. So that word that's used there is that same Greek word that Paul is using here in 1 Corinthians, that paraboleia, okay? 
And, and so it, it, it's a reference to testicles. I know, yeah. <laughs> In church? All right, guys. Uh, this is what we're talking about here. Paul is comparing a woman's hair to a testicle. Don't be mad at me. It's Paul, all right? Sorry, ladies. Uh, now, you're wondering why. Why would Paul be doing this? If, once again, you comb through ancient Greek writings at that time, uh, you can find one of their physicians who's very well known, Hippocrates. That's who we get the Hippocratic Oath from today that nurses and doctors still repeat uh, and still take an oath to. Uh, and so uh, Hippocrates, in his writings, uh, he was a doctor. Like this was science at that time. Okay, so here, here's some science uh, from that, that time period. They held that hair was hollow and grows from either male or female reproductive fluid or semen flowing into it and congealing. <sighs> I know, weird stuff, right? <laughs> okay, so when Paul is saying this, like we're kind of thinking like, wow, that's really old-fashioned or like, why, you know, why do we need to wear hair coverings? He, this isn't some like, like the science at that time, like this is what they believed and hair was the same as, I mean, like if you didn't have it covered, it was like you were walking around naked. Like that was like, I know it sounds weird to us because we don't look at hair that way today, but that is how they viewed it. It was associated with reproduction. So, all right, yeah, this is all very weird. I know, weird way to start. And so hair grows from the head, and that's where they believe semen was stored, okay? And so it was actually, uh, Paul's readers, they associated a woman's hair with the conceiving of children. And so... Once again, you go through some of the Old Testament passages uh, that Paul would have been familiar with, that you know, the church would have been familiar with, and you start to see covering is important in worship. Isaiah 6, 2. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. The feet, uh, that would have been basically like saying you know, genitals. Uh, and so... Seraphim, they cover their feet for modesty, okay? The priests in Yahweh's service were instructed to approach the altar so their nakedness is not exposed. Exodus 20, verse 26, do not approach my altar by going up steps. If you do, someone might look up under your clothing and see your nakedness. In fact, they even, you know, created these special garments for the priests to wear to cover that up. So all that to say, that is what Paul is talking about here today. We have a different understanding of hair in our culture than they did back at that time. Now, the other thing, let me keep reading here because there's another, pa uh, another part of this that ties in. Verse 7, a man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and a woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man, and the man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. Paul mentions the angels here. This is also interesting. Because once again, this takes us back to this supernatural worldview that the ancient Israelites would have had. And so these people that were in this church, they would have understood Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Look at that. 
Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God, the Elohim, they saw the beautiful women, and they took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. So when we're talking about guys like Hercules, these half men, half gods, these demigods, there is a biblical origin to all of this where it all began. And it starts with a supernatural worldview. That is what Paul is saying here. And so he's even saying here in worship, one of the reasons it's important for women to cover their hair was because the angels are watching. And so there's almost this idea here that for, for Genesis 6 to not reoccur again, for there to be modesty in worship. And so that was an important part at play here and in Paul's mindset. If you're interested in some of this, this stuff, you know, it's all pretty crazy. Uh, I reference this guy a lot, Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh, he's got a book. One of his books is called Reversing Hermon. He dives into this. If you want, man, the expanded version of all this, check that out. Reversing Hermon, great read. Uh, it just, it starts to open your eyes to when some of these weird passages come up in the Bible, there's a reason for them. There's a reason behind them. There was a different understanding that they had. And so it's important for us to know what it was that they were dealing with, how it was that they were viewing Scripture at that time. Okay? So, and I believe it's important for us, the church, to understand Scripture in that same sense today, to have a supernatural mindset, to understand that when they're talking about sons of God coming down and laying with daughters of men, that's not just a fairy tale. This is, I mean, this is real life stuff. And so we as the church, we take God's word for what it says. This is what he's talking about here. So there should be modesty in worship. Verse 11, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. The other thing here we have to understand is biblical headship, which is also really hard and difficult in our culture. In a culture that is screaming uh, about, you know, feminism and, you know, Women's rights, we're all for women's rights. In fact, God is all for that. In fact, when you read through the New Testament, the church, because of God's word, because of Jesus, was at the forefront of women's rights and equality. In fact, that's what Paul is saying right there. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from from God. We are tied together, male and female. But there is a biblical headship that he has formed here. And it starts at the top. Go, go, back, go back to the early passage there. We got caught up in talking about, you know, testicles. <laughs> go back at the beginning. All right, verse three. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. So here, here within the church, the head of every man is Christ. So if you're putting yourself and your desires, uh, what you want at the top in your life, 
and Christ is kind of off to the side, that's not right. He is above. He is the head. He's your covering. So men in the church, it starts with us making Jesus the head of our household if you're married. And if you're not married, if you're single, Paul says that's great, by the way, making him the head of your life. No matter what, he is the head. He's our covering. He is who we submit to. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man. This is where in our, our culture we get into some trouble here. Uh, we don't want to hear that. This sounds, you know, a little old-fashioned, a little disrespectful. Um, and, and part of that is the teaching of feminism. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, he's got a gr- great quote. Feminism is mixed up with this muddled idea that women are free when they serve their employers, but slaves when they help their husbands. Let me just say that one more time. Feminism is mixed up with a muddled idea that women are free when they serve their employers, but slaves when they help their husbands. That's huge. Our mindset has to shift. Because we have been indoctrinated by the culture around us. And we believe that helping each other in marriage, having that mindset of submission in marriage is weakness or it's wrong, it's outdated. No, no, no. We are, we are in this together, but we have to choose submission in every area. The husband must choose submission to Christ. And then the wife chooses submission to her husband to be a helper, a co-laborer. And in that order, there is a protection of covering in each layer. Christ is the head. He is our protection. There's a covering there when we submit to him. Wives, there is a protection of covering that Paul is saying if you refuse to submit and step under that covering of your husband, you are outside of that protection then. You can choose to be outside the protection, but when things go wrong, when things don't go the way you want, when things get messy in life, don't look and blame those around you. We have to first as believers look inside, look internally and say, have I stepped outside of what God's word says? Am I underneath the covering of protection he wants for my life? For each of us, this is a hard thing. Because it means stepping under the cover and submission to another, but it's by choice. We choose to do so. We choose to trust what God's word says and choose to trust that there's protection under his covering. And so even spiritually as we gather, If you've chosen to be a part of revival, you're choosing to be under the protection and covering of myself as the lead pastor, and you're choosing to trust and believe that I'm choosing as the leader of this church to be under the protection and covering of other pastors in my lives, which I I try to talk about that a lot, but I've got a couple, uh, one in particular, uh, a pastor in Lincoln that I look at as he's our covering. And so I go to him, and he still, he pastors me, he checks in on me, he cares for me, uh, his wife cares for my wife. Uh, they care about us, and they are our pastors. And so we have to choose to submit the same way we all, going down the line, have to choose to submit under the covering that God has provided. And so I'm telling you right now, you don't, 
have to be under the covering of this house. There's a lot of different spiritual houses you can choose to be under. But if you believe that in this house there's a leadership that's dedicated to staying under the covering of Christ and staying under the covering of other pastors who are under the cover of Christ and who they themselves are spiritually covered, if you believe that this is that church, then yes, step into it. Step into that covering. And I'll tell you, I've been in places where I thought, man, I don't know that this place is under any spiritual covering. I don't know that this leadership is underneath Christ and that he is the head of all things. I've been in places where it felt like the lead pastor, it was him at the top and Christ to the side. That's a hard place to be. But if it's a place God calls you to, sometimes we have to trust and say, I'm going to be obedient in this place as my covering until I am released to that next place. I think that's one of the hardest things to discern as believers. Are you in the house that you're called to be? And so too many of us jump from house to house spiritually looking for that next place, that next fit that church that's going to provide everything that we need, all the right things, and they're going to do all the things that we want and that we agree with. And, and so sometimes we have to understand and realize it's not about our preferences, but it's about the covering of the house. And are, are they seeking the Lord's presence and his headship? Because that matters more than our preferences and what we desire. That's a hard place to be and discern. And so, women, I, I know for, you know, for wives in here, this is a hard passage because submission feels like giving up a piece of yourself. But there is blessing in submission. Even in the moments when you don't feel like you completely agree with that person that you're submitted to, because I, I've been there, I've been there in ministry where I've been, in, I've been placed in a house, God had called me to a place, to a church, and there were moments where I did not agree with the head of the house and how he was leading it and what they were doing. But I had to either choose to submit or choose to leave. Or choose to live in rebellion within the house. Which is the worst thing you can do. If you're going to choose to live in rebellion under someone else's house, rebellion, disobedience, that's on par with witchcraft. Like when you read through the Old Testament, that's what they say. Rebellion, disobedience, it is on par with witchcraft. It's a sin. And so if you're in the house, you live in submission to the law of the house, to the rule of the house, and we submit under the headship of Christ. And so we trust that even when we disagree with our leaders on some of our preferences or some of the details, we trust that Christ has placed this person there. And so moments when I was in the house serving a leader I did not agree with, I had to bite my tongue and say, I, I, I don't serve man, but I serve Christ because he is truly at the top. And so wives, if you're struggling with this, because you know, man, my husband, he's fallen short in a lot of areas. Um, that's okay. But... We serve Christ at the top of all, and we trust him with where we've been placed in this world. 
And if this is the husband, this is the husband we've chosen, and it doesn't look exactly like it lays out in Scripture, then we continue to walk in obedience because we're not being obedient to our husband. We're being obedient to Christ. That's what matters. Walking in submission to him because he's your ultimate covering. And there's a blessing when you walk in that submission and you choose to trust even when you don't agree. There's a blessing that comes along with that. And I I can see that in my own life and ministry. All the times that I disagreed because my preferences or my ideas, I didn't get what I wanted in the house that I was in. I can see that because I chose to be obedient and not live in rebellion, God used that and blessed that and blessed our lives through it. But I can also look back at moments when I was rebellious in the house and I can see that I got exactly what I deserved because I didn't choose to trust and obey who Christ had placed as my covering. And so this goes for all areas of life. This isn't just marriage, but this is work also. If you are in a place where you have a boss that you don't agree with, guess what? This is the place where you're at right now. This is where you've been placed by Christ. And so you trust that and you obey and you submit to that leadership. That doesn't mean, you know, you have to agree with everything. That doesn't mean you can never say like, hey, listen, I, I don't agree here. Like I have ideas. I think things could be better. It doesn't mean you, get to, you don't get to have a discussion. You can have a discussion. But in the end, if the head of that house or the head of that business says, hey, listen, this is how we're going to do it, you say, okay. You don't go and, you know, spread rumors or gossip or you don't go and try to cause division in the house. You don't go and try to get you know, Johnny fired or Mike fired or Susan or whoever that you don't agree with. You say your piece and then you move forward in that place and you trust that Christ is who you are serving ultimately, that he is the head of all things. And so as believers, even when we're in a secular workplace, when we walk in submission and obedience to our employers, it brings honor to Jesus. And your employers see that, and they will notice that. It will separate you from the rest of the people that work with you. And they'll see somebody that understands honor, respect, and authority, because when you honor authority that's been placed in your life, there is the covering of Christ over you, and there's protection when you walk in that. Verse 11, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful? For them, it was obvious. They knew. That was, that was their culture. They knew and they understood that. For a man or that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair and isn't long, so, sorry, Andrew, we're calling you out right now. Oh, sorry, man. And isn't long, once again, this goes back to that same understanding uh, of why the hair was long. And so in that culture, it was disgraceful for a man to have long hair. And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. It's a covering. 
But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. Like, this is all radical also, because the Jewish temple at that time, which a lot of these believers would have first been coming out of, there were separate places where men and women would worship. They, they had separated out men and women in worship. But now here in the church, the New Testament church, it's being established that men and women can worship together. And in fact, I, I don't know if you caught this either. Uh, go back here, verse 5. Um, uh, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. This is saying, like Paul is just saying, it, it was naturally assumed. He's not even like giving permission here. He's saying it's okay for women to pray and prophesy in church along with men. Men and women in the church together, worshiping, praying and prophesying together. And we get caught up on prophesying a lot because we think, oh, that's like futuristic. You know, you're telling the future. You're predicting the future. That's what a prophecy is. That, that's a small portion of prophecy in Scripture. A, maj a majority of prophecy is just declaring God's truth, his divine revelation, which we have in God's word today. It's declaring that truth. And, and so here in the church in Corinth, they're saying Guess what? It's okay for women to stand up and pray and prophesy as it is in order in the church. Paul will go on to talk about that a little more coming up, but there's a certain order to the church. But it's okay for women to pray and prophesy. In fact, it's encouraged. Women aren't told to just stay quiet and stay in the corner and just don't say anything. No, no, no. It was assumed that they would be a part of praying and prophesying. And so e even today in worship, we have Cameron up here, and she's declaring God's divine revelation, his truth about who he is and what he's done through song. That's prophesying. Isn't that cool? Like, that's awesome, right? Like, that's the church. Men and women praying and prophesying together and declaring God's word and his truth and his revelation. That's a powerful thing. So don't get caught up in some of this stuff thinking, man, the Bible's old-fashioned. It's, you know, it's missed it. It's like, no, it was revolutionary then. It's still revolutionary today. It has redefined the world that we live in. Because the world at that time, if you go back and you look at the rights of women, uh, it, I mean, they were beneath, like they were just, just above slaves, but beneath men in that culture. It was a lowly position in that culture. And Jesus elevated women to a new position that they had never been at in the world previously. It's a powerful thing. So don't get caught up hearing some of this and thinking, wow, Alex said I have to be submissive. No, all right? No, I'm not saying that. You don't have to do anything. You have a choice. You have a choice to come under the protection of the covering of submission. It's your choice, ladies and men. It's your choice to come under the covering of Christ as the head of your family and to stop trying to lead your family by yourself. And then to protect and co-lead alongside your wife. She chooses to submit 
But that doesn't mean it's, man, whatever I think. No, no, no. You are each gifted and you are each temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And so we talk about this a lot. In marriage, you each are hearing from the Holy Spirit. You each are getting revelation from God's word. You each are discerning truth together. And so you each come alongside each other and together you discern God's will for your lives, for your family, for you know, what he is calling you into each step of the way as you progress through this world. You do it together. What did, what did Christ do? He died for the church. What, what's the church? The church is his bride. There is a, pre- a protective nature for the husbands over the wives. That's our calling, to be a covering, to be a shield, to be a protector, that there can be safety found underneath that protection. When we talk about coverings, Christ, he's the umbrella, right? And husbands, you're the umbrella for your wife. And wives, it's your choice whether or not you want to stand under the umbrella or stand under the rain, okay? Like, that's it. But Christ is saying there is protection there for you. Are you? This is one of the hardest things because you have to figure out whose voice am I listening to? Am I listening to what the world says? Is there truth there? Or am I listening to what the word says? That's what it always comes back to. Discerning God's word over the world. Because the world will sound good sometimes. It'll sound appealing. It'll sound like truth. But the word is where we find protection. The word is where we find covering. The word is how we step under the protection and headship of Christ. Worship team, you guys come on up. Let's get ready to close out here as we declare who God is as a church together. I know there's a lot of resistance to this idea. I hate it. I do, I hate it. Because of our pride, right? I hated stepping under the authority of others in my life. In fact, I still struggle with it. I want to just say I'm at the top, and I I just want to say, like, I I don't need others because I'm just fine on my own. But we miss out on that blessing and that protection when when we listen to our pride over what his word says about submission. And we don't understand either. When we submit, when we choose to step under the covering of authority in our lives, no matter how much we may disagree with it, when we choose that, there's power there. The world, the spirit of fear, the principalities of this world, the darkness in this world, they want you to miss out on God's blessing. That's it. So if you're struggling right now with this word, I would sit in this moment and reflect, what what is it truly at the heart? Why do I choose my own way over choosing submission in my life and choosing to trust? Is it pride? Because if it's pride, we need to lay it down today. We need to repent today. 
And there's some people too that in marriage, they've been hurt, they've been abused, um, they haven't been protected. There's been no blessing there. And, and that wasn't biblical headship right there. And, and Paul, he's laid that out in Corinthians also. But they, there are reasons to step out from that covering and to leave. Paul isn't saying if you're in an abusive situation, you need to stay there no matter what. That's not what Paul is saying. But if, you're, if you are in an imperfect situation and you're not getting all your preferences, all your desires met, that's not what Paul is talking about. Because your submission to that authority can win that person to Christ. Your submission to Christ overall as head of your life can win those people to the faith. And so if that's where you're at today, where you feel like, man, my, th this person, my husband, or whoever it is, my boss, they, they don't care about Jesus. They're, they're not a believer. They want nothing to do with him. Unless there's abuse happening or unless there is something, you know, evil, demonic happening in that house, what Paul is saying is you have a chance to win that non-believer by choosing submission because you don't serve them, you serve Christ. Ask him what it is today that has been holding you back from choosing submission. Let's pray. God, I just pray that there would be freedom found today, that whatever's been holding us back from trusting you and trusting authority in our lives, no matter how many times we've been hurt by authority, that somehow we could step back into the protection and covering of it. And that we could ultimately see it as your covering in our lives and your protection. And that someday that you can help us to see as we look back on our lives how it was that you had us covered. God, I pray for a renewed sense of trust and submission to you as our head. In and pray. Amen.